news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Hey, man fam, welcome back. Mad about movies, movie news, rumors, rumblings, roundup. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're going to try to do this as much as we can. We'll band together and get some headlines that we think are worthy of discussing. And we'll bring them to the show as much as we can in 2021 and beyond. And and we'll start things, guys, with some Netflix talk. Mm. It's always good to talk about Netflix, guys. Where do you think Netflix is standing, Brian, in terms of their reputation in the streaming world wars as we move into 2021? Mm-hmm. Where where are they at? I think they took a hit in 2020. Uh, be, mm-hmm. And I don't know that it was anything they did as much as uh, what, you know, the other the other streamers did and the and that there's more on the market now. Um you know all these all these uh, streamers now they they're getting they have or they are developing sort of a like I guess a, a more refined look at or a reputation for like what they are or maybe even a niche within the streaming market and what you are going to get at Apple Plus versus Disney Plus versus Hulu versus Netflix versus HBO Max and CBS All Access and the Peacock and I'm sure I'm forgetting 47 more and, and crackle plus and, and all this sort of stuff. Uh, you, you get, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get at each one now, I think. And 2020 was the, maybe the year that that really kind of came into focus with what Disney plus was able to Disney plus launched in what, like November of 2019. Mm -hmm. And then 2020 brings, you know, you start to see, I actually think 2020 for Disney Plus was kind of a year of just like, all right, this is our this is our brand. This you know the Disney stuff, you know Marvel and Star Wars and all that. Come here and watch the, these movies, and then also the Mandalorian. And then we're really really uh, launching in 2021. We're launching the new content as far as like like a ton of new content is coming in 2021 with the Marvel shows and Star Wars shows and things like that. So, um, but uh, you, you know what you're getting with that and. HBO Max kind of came in and I think took a took a chunk of that that Netflix pie by kind of establishing themselves against the wishes of many filmmakers it turns out uh and also theater owners but kind of establishing themselves as like this is the uh this is this is the movie streaming service. So if you're looking for current TV, you want Hulu. If you're looking for uh, Marvel and Star Wars, obviously you want you want uh, Disney Plus. If you're looking for brand new movies, theatrical style movies or theatrical quality movies perhaps, then you want HBO Max. And I, I think that kind of ate a little bit of of Netflix's pie in the streaming wars and I think that was I mean, I don't pay too much attention to this stuff as much as I think you do, Richard, just as far as the business side of things goes, but I mean, it, it seemed like the last quarter was not very kind to Netflix and was one of the first times that they've had like a like a downturn in, in what what they're uh, able to put together. I've long been on the corner of, I think, Netflix because just, be, just because they were sort of the first one, mm-hmm. or at least the first one that really broke through and stayed broken through. They have the name value and that will always help them stay afloat even if... Some of these other streamers come along. It, I, I'm sure I've said this before, but it's the same as Google to me. It's like, yeah, if you're going to go search for something, you say, I'm, totally. I'll go Google that. And that that has and it, tremendous impact. It's the same with Netflix. It's people. That's the first thing people ask as far as totally. 
just regular viewers go, just people in our lives, people on our Facebook feed. If you mention a, a movie or a TV show or whatever, uh, mass, you know, middle America, mass America, whatever will say, is that on Netflix, you know, or maybe they'll say what stream, but, but really they mean, can I watch it on Netflix? Because everybody has, yeah, everybody has Netflix. That's so. the most important thing. More, more so than even brand recognition. It's like in everyone's budget first, yeah. You know, no matter how much they raise it, a buck or something, it, most people or a lot of people already have that. They've been spending that for seven years, so they'll just keep spending it as opposed to a new purchase um, mm-hmm. or JBO Max. Yep. I was talking to some neighbors who are who are not really up on, you know, it's not you know, they they see maybe three movies a year kind of thing, right? And and uh, they were all hyped for for Wonder Woman, and they were talking to me. Oh, we got I was over at their house and they they got uh, HBO Max and. Uh, these aren't like people certainly aren't elderly at all. They're like in their forties, probably like late forties, like they're kind of middle of the the bracket. And they were kind of like (laughs) amazed. Uh, I never really thought about this just because we're so in this stuff all the time, having to find all this content and talk about it. But like, they were like, yeah, HBO max is really cool. Uh, They have movies and television shows on there. It's like Netflix, like, like to, to them, like, wasn't even possible for someone else to replicate that technology. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it was, I was like, yeah, no, I mean, it's Warner Brothers. They have a huge library of, you know, not only HBO content, but, but hundred, you know, a hundred years of films and, and, uh, new stuff too that they'll make for there. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's like exactly like, it's like Netflix. Like I can just watch it on there. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's other ones. Wait to hear about Hulu. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so you're certainly right there. I, I do think, I don't think they have quite the hold on Google, like like Google's proprietary technology and the way they locked sure. everyone in with Gmail, especially, which really like sealed mm. it, yeah. um, which then ties all your search to your basically your account and blah blah blah. Um, it's it's that's so much more sticky than Netflix is. I mean, Netflix is still super sticky in terms of getting your fifteen bucks a month, but like you know, Bing came out when when someone finally did the technology for for a search engine relatively close to Google with Bing. Everyone was just like, no, like not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, people didn't really do that with HBO Max. I mean, they didn't sign up at the same levels as as Netflix, but they, they didn't, it wasn't like immediately a joke. Um, so I do think they'll get cut into with a few of these, but you know, you've just got to make, I think they've, they've done better on long form stuff. They're struggling still with movies and they, they are yeah. really marketing wise at least really going after like we're doing 52 movies this year you know that's mm-hmm. part of their big that yeah. big commercial piece and to me that's they've very they've acquired good things but there's been only probably five like from the beginning netflix movies that were like really good mm-hmm. um that weren't like acquired late stages at a film festival or something so a lot of their stuff has been really and like by the looks of that long trailer thing they're doing about the 52 movies a lot of that looks like direct to me but they that's part of it though they just throw a bunch of stuff over the wall and if five of them, f- but at a certain point that's not going to be good business anymore. Right. Yeah. It's to me, it's tough because you know, the, to me, Netflix represents such a shift in the industry, right? It was the first to kind of really bring this instant streaming to the masses. Totally. And, you know, I, but just cause you're the first doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. You know, or just because you bring it to the masses doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. Like, look at a company like Nokia, right? <laughs> in 2000, who didn't have a Nokia phone, right? But it takes mm. it takes uh, 
a lot to stay relevant over time, you know, yeah, to, I would, to maintain that market, uh, that market, um, I don't know, dominance. Totally. Uh, so it, competitors are in, inevitably going to come along, I guess. I agree I with say. you, but I don't think anyone ever really came along to beat Nokia, meaning in that same world. The smartphone was such a jump technologically mm-hmm. and such a different thing where it would be almost like something taking over Netflix. Like the iPhone and Android taking over the Nokia and BlackBerry world would almost be like VR taking over from Netflix. Like it's a yeah, whole yeah, different... I, I, I don't know. That might not be a great comparison, but... I mean, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying it's kind of, they're more vulnerable from other things. than. Here's where they're vulnerable. It's what it comes down to, I think, in this entire industry is intellectual property. Totally. And, you know, how many big IPs does Netflix have? Uh, Stranger Things, Making a Murderer. Uh, They've got a couple reality shows. And that's, that's about it. You know, and then you you've got some kids programming. I'm sure that people are are pretty in on. You've got some Oscar worthy movies every mm-hmm. now and then. But the thing about Netflix is, is like you said, Richard. You know, they'll throw something against the wall, and you know, if something is good enough to stick out, it will stick out. I think on Netflix, the the the, the process mm-hmm. of elimination kind of the 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 crap falls to the bottom, and the good stuff kind of rises to the top, right? With how with how uh, people consume Netflix. And even and so, not great stuff can sometimes, like that David Spade wrong Missy movie would right. have made equivalent like a billion dollars at the box office based on views. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They do. It's they, weird. They, the stuff they know how sticks. to market to people based on algorithms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're the first people to really do that. And that's, of course, a lot of these uh, streaming services are based on that, but that's, that's another conversation. But, you know, like I said, it's all about intellectual property. And so if I'm an investor and I've got money, if I've got a grand to invest in any of these, you know, where Netflix is really going to struggle, I think, is to stay relevant in the intellectual property game. And, you know, they can only, they can only piggyback on, on Stranger Things for so long as their, their tentpole, this is what we do kind of thing. And, um, but the thing about Netflix is that so many people have it. They're, you know, the hundreds of millions of people that have Netflix – if something good rises to the top, so many people talk about it and everybody talks about it, right? Whereas, you know, you know, say for example, something like Tiger King that happened this past year. Whereas if you have a show like The Vow, which is just as controversial, if not more than Tiger King, but is on a smaller thing like HBO Max, it's not, not that many more people are going to be talking about it just because it's not. It's not on that that big thing. So I think more people have Netflix just because like you don't want to be FOMO'd. You don't want to be left out of the conversation when something does come out on Netflix and mm-hmm. everybody talks about. It. And it's like the most why it's like I don't know, in the late nineties saying, Do you have cable? You know? It's right. like everybody it's like it's kind of a yes or no, but most people do, <laughs> you know? Uh not everybody, but that's kind of where we are with Netflix. And but I, I, I think over time I'm I'm more skeptical as the years go by about how how they can they can hold on and how how they can keep money because I think over time people are gonna get smart and say, Wow, all the things I like are on this one other service. Why am I still paying for this? You know? Um that 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 that's my fear with Netflix. Yeah, I think part of that is I would bet on IP long term. Yeah, what they what they run the risk of to me, one of the things maybe is that as as the streaming bit sort of 
sectors off and differentiates itself enough. Cause I think you're right. There is a lot of FOMO that comes with, with something that's on Netflix and that's part of why people watch it. But I think we're, we're getting closer at least to the point where more and more people uh, are just are accepting that they're not going to be able to keep up with everything because it's impossible. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's just from a, not just a, a, a time standpoint, but from a, an expense point too. I mean, you can't, I don't even, I don't even know how many streaming services Lindsay and I have, but it's too many. And, and even still there's, there's no, it's like, there was something the other day, Lindsay was like, Oh, I, I kind of like to watch that. And I was like, well, it's on CBS all access. So we're not getting it because we're already paying. I don't even know how much for, for, uh, for all these streaming services and stuff. And, and I think there's, there is a growing sentiment for a lot of people that, uh, is it what? What is it on? Okay, then I, I'm not going to see it. Then I probably will mm-hmm. never see that. Then because it's it's just not going to be part of the thing. And Netflix, if they're not, because I think you're right. Both of you are kind of right. If if they're not able to establish something that keeps that for sure keeps that in the budget every month, um, as far as the the intellectual property goes, then then there will be more people that that kind of wake up one day and say, Why am I paying thirteen ninety nine a month for Netflix when the office is on Peacock now and, and, um, you know, whatever, uh, I can watch, I watch Fargo on, on Hulu yeah. or, yeah, yeah you know, exactly. And, and they haven't put out a movie that I liked in, in two years, you know, or something. So they do run the risk of doing that. And I think that's why they're, I think that's why they're making the push with the movies the way they are now. Now, whether those are good movies or not, I, I will be something that will, will certainly come to find out over the course of 2021. But I, I, I think that they, I think it's a pretty smart play to make such a deal out of every week we're going to put out a new movie similar to the way that like HBO used to do with the, you know, the Friday night movie of the week of like, yeah, that movie, this movie came out nine months ago in theaters, but if you couldn't get to theaters, you didn't see it or whatever. You knew that every Friday night there's a new movie hitting HBO at eight o'clock central Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and for some people that's, or maybe it's Saturday, whatever it was that for some people that was, that was like their part of their routine for the week. So Saturday Netflix trying yeah. to kind of eat in on that. And I, th- I think that's a pretty smart play. Now the, the trick is making sure those are good. Yeah. yeah. Are any of these movies good? <laughs> yeah. I think they have a better thing. Like a lot of their stuff with like Chandra and stuff, that's huge IP. Like someone mm-hmm. like that, sure. that's just going to crank out two Bridgertons a year as an EP. Um, they're, they have better in terms of, I don't even like calling it TV. Cause now it's just like long and short. They're long mm-hmm. stuff. They tend to be more innovative with and have like as much as one can have, not necessarily IP, but like interesting people that have fan bases behind the creators. It's the film part, the short form stuff um, that is And the only reason it's worrisome in terms of Netflix is they're really banking on that in terms of market. You can see they're really pushing themselves as a movie place, whereas they're all their success for the most part in terms of uh, pop culture is mostly on the, on the TV side. Yeah. And you look at something like, the Queen's Gambit mm-hmm. that came yeah. out in 2020, which you know wasn't a movie, but might have been the best thing I watched in in 2020. And and you look at that, and you know in a typical streaming service like a like an HBO Max, they might say, okay, we could do 15 projects this year. This is number 20. <laughs> Whereas Netflix says, all right, we're doing 70 projects this right. year. This is number 25. So it gets made, and then like I said, the good stuff rises to the top. And it became, you know, the most streamed thing on Netflix, a show about chess, you know, and about a, a girl playing chess became this huge, this huge hit. So 
They do. They they have the ability with just the amount of money that they have and the market penetration to be able to just make more stuff and appeal to a wider group of, of people and, and the cream rises to the top. And so, uh, you know, all that to say they are releasing 70 movies in 2021 that averages more than more than one a week. And, and we can kind of skim the surface here and, and talk about some of the ones they're they're releasing, but just to, I guess maybe a little re- rewind on the ones we already know about. They change their algorithm, not algorithm, but the way they report their statistics um, it, last year. It used to be who has completed 70% of a movie. They counted that as a watch. Now they only count if you've watched two minutes of a movie. I count that as a watch. So um, the number one movie was Extraction with 100 million people having watched that movie. Uh, then Spencer Confidential with Mark Wahlberg was 85 million. Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds, The Old Guard, Enola Holmes, 75 million, Project Power, 75 million. And then you've got like The Kissing Booth, The Wrong Missy, The Social Dilemma, Klaus, uh, The Decline, Airplane Mode, some things I've never, never heard of or yeah. have 40 million people watching them. But yeah, I mean, it shows you what the kinds of movies people are watching in mass are these big temple action movies and that kind of leads us to the big ones of this year they have this movie red notice starring gal gadot Dwayne the johnson rock and ryan reynolds <laughs> so that's kind of their big uh their big temple action movie is they've got three of the biggest stars in the in the world this movie red notice yeah, and it's been three dollars on the script, so I'm sure it'll. Yeah, exactly. It's a well, it's a Ro- Ross and Marshall Thurber joint, so. <laughs> yeah, he of skyscraper and central yeah, intelligence. Right. So, <laughs> so it's, it'll be. It's his. It's yeah. the Rock only works with people that he can control. These it's like <laughs> these t- these days. Yeah, but I mean, uh, this is the thing. They they the the you the, all those movies you listed off there can't for for 2020 extraction is pretty good i really like to know Holmes a lot that was yeah. that was pretty solid that one though was for if i'm remembering correctly that was for sure one that they bought after yep. the fact that was supposed to be a, a theatrical movie right am i mm-hmm. remembering and that again correctly? capitalizing on stranger things i mean how yep. much longer sure. can they say oh it's got millie bobby brown and then 70 million people watch it right yeah. if that at anyone else how are 70 million people watching a uh, an Holmes? i don't think so you know, like they can only, yeah. they can only, this will only work for so long. It's like their strategy. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's smart in the, the way, as far as they find these movies, then they, they, it's a formula, which I mean, Disney has a formula. WB has a formula. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a formula. Their formula seems to be the quality doesn't really matter so much if there's a, a name or a face to go with it, or it falls into like, like they've had a lot of success with the kind of the rom-com side of things, which is great because rom-com is not a thing that exists in theaters anymore. So it's great that they're sort of filling that, that gap. And I've seen some, some of those are pretty solid. Like, uh, always be my, maybe was really good. And, and to all the boys I've loved before, that was really solid. I mean, some of these are really good. Some of them aren't, and that's okay. They're not all going to be great. It's, but it's kind of like we're doing those 
and we're doing action movies with one star and and then not really a whole lot else surrounding them and stuff. And and so when it, when you see that trailer and Red State was the one that jumps out of course, the you see those those actors and you're like, "Man, I, I like all those people." But immediately in the back of my mind, I say, "But this is probably not going to be good because or it, maybe not good is is too it's it's probably going to be mediocre, you know, because yeah. that's what this has been through the, the the majority of this run with Netflix. This is it's going to be. It feels like it's going to be another Old Guard or Project Power or whatever. Like if extraction yeah. is the is the like top level of what you're able to accomplish with this, then that's that's a bit disappointing because extraction is pretty solid, but that's not. It wasn't on any of our top ten lists, you know, in a year where we. There was less competition and whatnot, so I don't know. It, it's they they're gonna have to, and maybe this is part of the process is just like figuring that out and going with the shotgun approach and hoping that you you sort of hit with a few of these in terms of of quality and quantity of viewers and whatnot. But it's kind of hard to have a ton of faith on that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think people are gonna watch. That's all that matters for them. You sure. know, at the end of the day, will people watch a movie with Gal Gadot, The Rock, The Dwayne, and Ryan Reynolds? Probably. So yeah. that's that's why they're doing it. You know, I mean, Spencer Confidential sucked. And if 80 million people watch You know, that, the problem then, with, yeah. with Red Notice is, is if it sucks, they don't have any IP potential with it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any value. You know? <laughs> like, what they need is these to be good so that when Red Notice 2... And they're advertising that people want to go see that mm-hmm. and they don't say, wow, red notice was terrible. Why are they right. doing another one? You know, like that's, that's what you sacrifice when you're like, all right, it doesn't matter how good it is. Cause people are going to watch and we'll just do another one, make mm-hmm. it good. And then who knows, it might be so good that people want another one. And then another one after that. And then people value your brand more. You know, yeah. I don't, people value your brand based on how good the stuff is in it, yeah. you know, not, not yeah. based on like how fun the, the, um, the water cooler combo is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like the, the water cooler combo is great with Jerry Springer, but no one thinks it's a good show, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, there's a totally different, different things here. Um, they do have some, some uh, other big name projects. One of them is a Western called The Harder They Fall, which has got Regina King, Idris Elba, and Jonathan Majors. So look mm-hmm. for that one to be, uh, I don't know who's directing that, but that, yeah, uh, that so intrigues good. me. Mm-hmm. We've got The Woman in the Window with Amy Adams that was supposed to come out in yeah. in 2020, in May of 2020, that uh, never came out. Then we've got- That does not look got, good. Guys, get excited. We've got uh, Dawn of the Dead sequel from Zack Snyder, Army Sick. of the Dead. Can't wait. Can't wait. Sick. This is a- not It's not only a, a zombie apocalypse Jack movie. Jack it's, is. Yeah, it's it's we're we're doing a heist during a zombie apocalypse. That's the plot. Okay. Um, right. There's a lot of a lot of like weird heist movies in 2021. That's the theme. <laughs> like the theme for 2020 was we're doing all these animated movies, and they're just going to be kid versions of things that you used to like. You know, uh, with with the Scoob and and some of the things they did in 2020. That was like a a through line. This is uh, it was like what the Minions movie with the the young grew that never came out. Like there was, that was, that was a weird, weird thing. This is the heist and weird situations. So we've got this movie, army of the dead. We've got cherry with Tom Holland. It's supposed to be a heist related scenario where he's a drug addict who resorts to heists. 
and then we've got this um uh Chiwetel and 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 Anne Hathaway movie where they're they become robbers during covid because of the lockdowns so it's a very mm-hmm. weird we're doing we're doing heists in in high stress situations is the theme for 2021 and this seems to be the most high stress one having to work with Zack Snyder i mean that must be <laughs> must be pretty tough but yeah no this one stars uh, action stars Dave Bautista and Tig Notaro such <laughs> noted action star Tig yes Notaro. Yeah. Maybe that'll be cool. I mean, that's yeah, a, it could be cool. Uh, I liked Honor the Dead, though. I think that's probably the best Zack Snyder movie, if we're being quite honest. Um, How yeah. much Leonard Cohen is in that, though? You know, I mean, it, well, there will really be a lot in Army be... of the Dead too. <laughs> yeah, no word if there's it's in black and white yet. So should we take it serious or not? That'll know. be the director's cut that yeah. releases a director to crackle. Mm-hmm. So we got that. Uh, that'll do well, I'm sure, on on Netflix. And we've got Lin Manuel Miranda's Tick Tick Boom. Which is the uh, biopic of sal- the band Saliva, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, didn't have tick, that in the, the biopic. Uh, with the radio, <laughs> hitting on a weird niche there. Netflix. Uh, I don't know what that is. And then um, we got Don't Look Up. This is the yeah. Now that McKay, now we're talking the Adam yeah, McKay movie with Jennifer yeah. Lawrence, DiCaprio, Ariana Grande, Meryl mm. Streep. Kid Cuddy, Timothy Chris Chalamet, Evans. and more. Man, I mean, it's that's a stacked cast. So. Unreal. You can't do it. You can't do a right? Adam is, McKay movie without a pop star. That's yeah, a, totally. You got to have that, that, Selena that, Gomez the, or Ariana Grande <laughs> show up and explain something to you and right. break the fourth right. wall. You know. But that's the other that. part of their plan that we kind of didn't touch on is if by doing this, if doing these these seventy one movies and generating buzz and content and, or for the content and and audience numbers and stuff, and then combine that with taking those numbers with ridiculous budgets in mind and and going to yeah. Adam McKay and Martin Scorsese and whoever else and saying, hey, you can come make the movie you want to make over at Netflix. Now you start to you start to average out a little bit some of that that mediocre or worse content. And if you can say every five pretty bad action movies fund a Scorsese movie or a McKay movie or a Greta Gerwig movie or a Jordan Peele movie or, or whatever, then now you know, now you got a stew going. I just don't get that the math on how that is funded is Agreed. a lot more cloudy than how that would be. So really whatever retains subscription theoretically funds it. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, you don't have to fund it necessarily with bad, uh, blockbuster films. I, you know, it might be easier to have your really good prestige television than fund your good prestige movies. You know, sure. if people are, are hooked on it, um, because people tend to be a lot more kind of like, I feel like people's tastes are a lot more highbrow with long form. than they are. It's like, uh, yeah, that's true. With with short form, so I I mean, far be it for me to tell them how to run their business, but but uh, you know, it's not like a traditional studio model where it's like we make Red Notice for two hundred million, it makes six hundred million that lets us make seven Oscar movies. So that's mm-hmm. the and then we get to build the prestige of our studio off of that and keep the creatives happy, and then we go make another you know dumb movie for uh, dumb people. You know, <laughs> I'm being cynical in their voice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's it. Just gets cloudy when 
forever. I think the transition of Netflix with just hey, throw you know, where they just acquired the streaming rights to everything was phase one. Phase two was okay, let's throw all the money in the world. Let's run super in the red, uh, even though we're making a ton of revenue, to then build all this IP and and, and in content that's our that we own that's our but that no one can ever take back like the office to peacock you know that that was the phase two and both were smart and then phase three it's like this kind of mix piece where they can't really decide what 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 it is they want to be in terms of especially like i said in the in the in the short form film part it's like a lot of of thing that i mean that adam mckay movie kind of seems right where they should be in that sort of mid-level. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the way to do it is make kind of mid-level blockbusters. Um, and, tr- you know, Red Notice is something that should be on a big screen and and for a mass audience with a huge, you know, for something that's 200 million, you're going to want to make a lot of money on that. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to pay $15 to Netflix to watch Red Notice. They're just going to already have it. So why they spend do, the 200 There's no million? way for them to know that. Right, exactly. So <laughs> um so I don't know. It's just kind of a it seems like the phase 3 or whatever it is of Netflix is a little more jumbled. They're fine because they like they have a lot of people locked in and the barrier to, the barrier to entry is low, but also like people aren't canceling in droves yet uh that we've seen. Um, and so whatever they're doing is fine, but yeah, you're right, Ken. I mean, they have to, they have to build sort of franchise model things, uh, in terms of films that keep people going, well, I got to keep Netflix because, you know, X movie number three is coming out in March and I love those. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pay for January and February and maybe I'll find something else on there. I mean, that's their business model, right? And so I, I, I just don't know if they're really, they're doing a lot of one-off pieces, and then like random little <laughs> art films. I, I kind of like the idea of just like own the festivals, man, just purchase everything at that. And anything that needs kind of that's good that, you know, your studio believes in that's like 40 million and under, just do it. And they haven't then, really been doing that though. That I, really I, been I know. That's I my wish point. they would. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I, I actually understand the math. I not one of these people that, moans the state of cinema because i kind of understand the finances of it when it comes to putting people in theaters and making money and i get that spending 150 million dollars on something that makes 800 million is a lot smarter than spending 40 million on something that makes 80 um so it's actually better just to spend more on on blockbuster entertainment but i don't know if that's the same with streaming i don't especially with people watching at home i don't think you know Unless it's a character people know that you don't really have any rights to. It, it, I don't know if that's going to make... I don't know if $200 million for Red Notice is any more appealing than $40 million for another movie. Well, as long as no, there's some I mean, kind of movie it, star it, in it. I don't know what, what $200 million for Red Notice gets them that a $30 million movie starring Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio can't get you. you no, I, exactly, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Long yeah. term. Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll see, man. That, to me, I'm most nervous about Netflix, more nervous than I am with HBO or Disney Plus, and even like the Hulu now that they're in the umbrella. Um, and Amazon Prime, I'd, I'd honestly put ahead of Netflix because I think Amazon Prime has the let's go buy good movies from Sundance approach down. And and uh, they that one night in Miami, you know, made made Brian's top 10 this year and uh, or last year and was a. Uh, an Amazon Prime one, you know, but yeah, there's not really any Manx this year. There's not really any Irishman ones to circle. Maybe that, 
that um, Adam McKay one is Oscar worthy, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's more along the lines of something like Vice, where it's uh, just kind of down the middle and doesn't really get as much recognition as we had hoped. But we'll have to see about Netflix. A couple more notes I wanted to hear hit here for movie news before we wrap things up. Marvel has confirmed that Deadpool 3 will be a part of the MCU and will be rated R. Very so nice. Yeah. We'll see maybe what what Deadpool can do to retcon Avengers Endgame. That'll be fun. <laughs> totally. I, I I think that's smart, but I think I think the notion of what the MCU is, it's the right time to do it because like the MCU, it'd be kind of weird to make a rated R movie in the MCU hard like hard in the canon in 2014 when that that narrative's still going on and it's this really vast PC uh, or PG kind of narrative, PG-13 narrative. Uh, you know, when Endgame happens, it, that's kind of over. I mean, I, granted, the MCU still exists, but you know what I mean? To most sort of layman people, that saga is over. So if you want to start it up again, you can kind of dictate what you want it to be. And if that includes a an R-rated Deadpool, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think the audience is already there for Deadpool. Totally. And mm-hmm. they don't need to worry about bringing in any anyone else that, that wouldn't already normally go see the movie. So totally. I think, uh, you know, They'll go about it the right way. It'll be tasteful. They'll they control the narrative. You know, this isn't like 20th Century Fox is a different studio and they're commenting on the MCU. You know, and it's back and forth. I think they're going to be able to do their own thing, and and that excites me, man. That that could open up some doors for the MCU to do some more adult movies because I feel like uh, I don't know majority, probably a majority of the the audience is over. In over high school age for these movies now, you know, they're adults, if not adults, they're adults taking their kids to see them, you know, so I, you know, like they, they experimented that with a little bit with like Daredevil on Netflix and some things like that to kind of appeal to that audience. But I think theatrically they could do something like that. Yeah, you can do both. I mean, that's the thing you, you, you're able to do both. And and that's, I think that's a smart, smart, I mean, the, we, we've seen too many times already, the, there was after Deadpool and then Logan, there was a shift of like, well, maybe this is the thing is right. Like R rated to go, you know, and that's not the point. It's that those things fit those characters and to make a PG 13 Deadpool movie would, would be, I think would, would go against what the character is. I mean, that that's a world that, that should be R rated. It works best as an R rated. It's just, you know, I think that's the, that's the way to, to move forward. It would feel weird if the, if that was. Although it might be kind of fun for like one movie to do a yeah, because he could break the fourth wall. I mean, I would I would actually I think that would be really fun to do that in an X Men movie or something. Have him show up and and not be able to to do and say the things that he normally would do and say and stuff. That'd be fun, but that gets old after twenty minutes, right? Yeah. Like you need if you're gonna go a whole movie, you need you need him to. To be able to be himself, or you need to not make that movie. And I think other. he's a great character to kind of clear the air on some of the stuff. You know, like I imagine he'll he'll get really meta about Marvel and just talk about some of the things the fanboys hate and all that kind of you know, like they did with Logan in Deadpool two. And I, I I'm very excited about them being able to use Deadpool as like a character to kind of comment on themselves and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, we know what's going on, we know how people feel. Well, we've got this character that can kind of serve as our, I don't know, narrator, so to speak, for these sure. types of things. And that's going to be important. 
And it'll be fun because I think they can do Deadpool movies rated R and then still have Deadpool involved in, you know, cameos show up in Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, or X-Men down the line and not feel weird and just not have them cuss as much. That's, that's the only real difference. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. So that's exciting news. And then the last bit I wanted to, to touch on here is that HBO, HBO Max has moved up the premiere of Godzilla versus Kong to March 26th, which was going to be a May release. So now we're getting this one in March. That's what bums me out because this would be a theater experience for me. And I'm hoping I can see this one in the theater. Yeah, I think it still will, right? Like, I think it's a maybe. I think it's the it's the HBO bit of it's day and day with HBO Max and the. Theater. Well, I mean, I just hope there's theaters are open enough for us sure. to be able to do. I I have sure. more pessim. I mean, more optimistic about being able to see a movie in May than I would be in March. I guess makes sense. I I wonder if we are headed. I mean, I I've seen that uh, again. I don't follow business stuff too too closely, but I've seen that stock prices for have been marked up for the theater companies that we've, we've sort of, it maybe maybe we've, we've kind of turned the corner on the, uh, doom and gloom. They just got a huge, huge investment from the next round of, um, stimulus. The theater industry got a Mm -hmm. couple billion dollars injected into it. So that, that might be affecting the stock a little bit, but sure. This is one I'll definitely want to see in theaters. Some Wall Street Journal stuff actually just today, I think actually posted this evening that it looks like bonds getting pushed back another six months or a year. And I saw MGM was was bit auctioning itself. I saw MGM was auctioning itself off for $5 billion too. They, they're only tied to bond basically. It's like they can't. So they, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, they don't, they can't, they can't just sell it to a streaming service for 1 billion because they need to make a lot more mm-hmm. than that on it. And mm-hmm. then they can't just sit on it because. It's their that's how that everyone gets paid from bonds, so right, it's right, tough right. for them. I, right. they're between rock, yeah, but it looks it's like kind of stuck. It looks like some stuff's going to get pushed yet again because people aren't feeling good about springtime or even July. They said things aren't may not may get pushed from July. It looks like everything's kind of circling the fall now. Hurrah, brutal, <laughs> brutal, brutal man. I, I hope that what we get, I was talking to Lindsay about this mm. uh last night. I, I hope that. They're Fast and Furious, Bond, these movies, those movies are going to move because they need to make tons and tons of money uh, because they, like you said, Richard, I mean, Bond keeps that studio afloat. So Fast and Furious has a lot for Paramount as well. Yeah. Or Universal, yeah. pardon me. Universal, pardon me. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, you got to, those movies are going to move. I, I hope that as we see more people get vaccinated, as there's some some sort of stability from from on high and... We're able to sort of, I, I, I wonder if, and that, that to me was the, the trigger on this, this thought was the Godzilla moving up to March. I wonder if the, the studios and the production companies are going to start moving towards putting out some of their mid budget type of blockbusters, you know, like Godzilla is compared to as, as far as like the expectation of return compared to bond or, or fast nine or, or whatever, start putting those movies out. And sort of just slowly start to try to rebuild the box office and the market and all that sort of stuff, so that when when we're in, you know, when we are good to go and things are much more normal and whatnot, then there's not you're not doing the run up to releasing all of these movies. Does that make sense? I, 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 that's kind of yeah. what my hope is, and I don't know if I'm just being overly optimistic on that or not, but it seems like that's the plan is just to try to 
to reestablish some familiarity and feeling of security with theaters, with some movies that the, for which the stakes are a little bit lower. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And there was, you know, there's a little bit of eye rolling in the discord about Kong versus Godzilla, but uh, I'm on board for these, man. I thought these, yeah, it'd be fun. I thought these be movies, fun. I thought, think the Godzilla reboots have been fun. The second one wasn't as good, but I mean, yeah. if you want to see Godzilla fighting monsters and it was, it was good for that reason. I think, yeah. um, Believe it or not, Kong Skull Island, I've probably watched that three or four times since it came out. It's such a have it on in the background kind of a movie with some fun moments and some fun acting that like that one has grown on me substantially over uh, since it came out. And so, yeah, I'm anticipating Kong vs. Godzilla. I'm going to hope, hopefully I can see it in a theater. Yeah. Let's rent a theater. If nothing else, we'll go. We'll go see yeah. It. That'd, that'd be, be good. That'd be good. Yeah. Well, they'll, the audience is us. If no one else. There you go. <laughs> That's right. That's All right. right. Well, there's a little bit of movie news, rumors, rumblings for you guys. Let's hit a very quick weekly recommend for our lovely man fam. Weekly recommends. All right, uh, Brian, what you got? I recommend a book that I started reading towards the end of 2020 and just finished uh, a week or so ago. It's called, the House on the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Kuhn. You know, I uh, I found this on like a, I think on an ebook sale on on iBooks or what whatever it's called, Apple's thing. Like every like maybe once a week, I'll I'll just hit the what's on sale or what's discounted, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and just see if there's anything that pops up that looks interesting. I grabbed this and uh, it's sort of a it's sort of a Harry Potter esque feel to it i guess it's it's about it's 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 fantasy fiction but it's sort of uh i don't know if it's ya i don't know if it defines itself as ya or if it's if it's adult whatever it's about a a an academy an orphanage of kids in uh I, i guess in in a future england or perhaps an alternative england that where uh magic is real and also is looked down upon by society and government. And, and so everybody who is magic has to be uh, registered and whatnot. And the, the uh, government entity that manages these kids sends a caseworker essentially to this orphanage, this particular orphanage uh, to look after and report back on the, the kids there and the, the headmaster of the, of the uh, orphanage and stuff. Um, you know, it's one of those, it was like, it was, it was a dollar 99. It sounded kind of interesting. I was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll snag this. And ended up really liking it. It's going to be, it had a lot more, um, heart than I expected it to. It was very well written. And, um, I, it, I don't think it's a series yet, but, but if it is, I, I think I'll probably come back for, for future installments of it. So if you're, if you're a Harry Potter reader, I would expect that you would like this one as well. It just kind of fits right in that, that sort of, uh, soft spot if you're, if you're such a reader, so check that out. What's it called again? It's called The House on the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Kuhn. There you go. Brian with the uh, book recommend. Nice, sure. nice. I'm going to recommend a TV show that uh, that premiered this past week, I think it was. Uh, I don't know when you're listening to this. Have you guys watched WandaVision yet? I haven't. I was going to ask episode, you guys if not second episode, I could... If it would be something I would like, I meant to text you guys that earlier. You watched the first episode, Brian. Watch the first one, Lindsay. Lindsay and Cooper and I watch it together. I wasn't super sure that this was going to be the one for Coop. Like, 
you know, just the, the style and, and the kind of, even the genre of it, I was like, I'm not really sure he's going to be into this, but we'll, we'll try one and see. And he, he didn't, he did not enjoy it. So, uh, we, we paused and moved on to something else, but I'll probably, I'll definitely watch the second. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. So did Lindsay. So we'll, we'll keep watching it, but Cooper, Cooper gave me the thumbs down. So not a fan. Yeah. Considering these characters, Scarlet Witch and Vision are widely regarded as the, the least interesting characters in the MCU. Yeah. Um, right now, I think this is a, this is a great way to do this. Richard, it's basically like a Truman show, Westworld, Pleasantville. Yeah. Sort of with Vision and Wanda where, where Wanda is being like brainwashed into thinking this reality is real or knows it's, it's, it's fake, but wants to stay in this reality. But the way they do it is they play off these old sitcoms from, mm-hmm. you know, from back in the day. So the first episode is kind of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> like they, they have the same house as Dick Van Dyke. The second one is Bewitched. And there's some kind of some I Love Lucy references in there. And then, uh, you know, as you would expect later on, um, you know, they go into the 60s and then the 70s and, and so forth. But this concept. When do they get to Mysteries of Laura? I know. I'm hoping they get to like Seinfeld and at the end, nice. like that would be the best, she's, you know, to do. She's a cop and a mom. Wow. Okay. She does both. That's Can a real superhero. It? Can't wait for the Wanda envision Allie McBeal is going to be fascinating, but it, it, I love the way they've done this. I, I think it's a super creative way to go about this because a show with just Wanda and vision would be terrible. I think so they had to do something different with it. And I think it like appeals more to people or fans of sitcoms and TV history than like MCU fans. Like they'll find more Easter eggs in this than comic book fans will, which is awesome. Um, but man, Richard, you'll love this. You'll love the way they, they approach this. I think cool. I definitely I'm excited. I'll, I'll... I'm excited for where it goes and I'm, I'm glad they released two episodes because Without just that first episode, Brian, you've seen it. You're you'd kind of be like, "What's going on?" Yeah. So you kind of yeah. need if you see the second episode, you'll understand. You kind of need sure. the second episode to give it more context. Yeah. And so I think they'll do two a week from now on, and uh, very excited about where this can go. This is my least anticipated Marvel series that they announced, and uh, it's yeah, very, very, very impressed with it. WandaVision. So check that out, Disney Plus. Richard, what's your recommend? Yeah, I'm going to do another podcast, which I just found out there's other podcasts. I wasn't fully uh, familiar. Uh, do you guys have you guys listened to Smartless at all? Smartless is that you the know. Bateman? Yeah. Arnett, so it's Hayes Bateman, Hayes. Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Just sort of, and they interview someone. Two of them don't know. One of them does, and uh, who that person's going to be every week. And it's great. Here, let me give you the last three guests because there might be some American treasure to them here. Brian Cranston, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and Martin Short. Is that something I can interest wow. you in talking with those three <laughs> people? Um, so yeah, it's just nonsense and it's the weirdest podcast ever because they do like a six minute read for AutoZone in the middle of every podcast, <laughs> which is greatness. But uh, super fun, super good guest, and uh, kind of gives you, you know, I love all three of those guys. They're all really funny and witty, and it kind of gives the idea of hanging out with them at a at a good dinner or something. So it's yeah. a good and all the interview podcasts out there. It's definitely the dumbest, and I mean that as a great compliment. Sure. The one with uh, RDJ was really good. Yeah, I listened to that uh, a couple months ago. It was, it was a lot of fun. You would like the it was, it was a lot of too. fun to hear him and Bateman talk about yeah. their days as as 
teenage heartthrobs in the 80s and stuff. Was totally. Like, was a good time. It's funny, too, because Sean Hayes is just now watching Arrested Development, and he's like best friends with these guys, so he keeps like <laughs> stopping down and be like, it's really funny. And they're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> that's great. That's that's funny. It's called Smartless or Smartness? Smart- Smartless. Smartless. Smart. There you go. Yeah. All one word. Yeah, it's a great, great pod. All right. There's your weekly recommends. There's your news rumblings for the week, for the month. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for being a subscriber. Remember to check out our American Treasures episode, our best and worst of 2020 episodes, and become a VIP. If you want more from us, more episodes are on the way. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me die, yeah.